You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Appleton. Again, I need some more names, but that was one that I got. Appleton feels a little bit too big for me, a little bit too well known. Um, I had the same problem when I heard Fond du Lac the other week. Uh, I, I'm looking for you know those small towns out there. Also, I'm thinking about going uh, outside of ESPN Wisconsin and declaring... Uh, me the Bucks reporter at other ESPN affiliates outside of the state of Wisconsin and I've had some suggestions for those so we might do those in a little while um, so give me some more names or I, I got I got people outside of the state of Wisconsin we can uh, hit up as well one of those people I'm hitting up right now is the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Austin I suppose um, <laughs> Frank Madden uh, also the founder of brewhoop.com and my good friend Frank how you doing buddy why am I paying for ESPN Insider if I'm the if I'm the friggin' uh, ESPN Bucks reporter at ESPN Austin? I mean, come on. It's a great question. Throw, I... throw me a bone over here. I, I'm like one of the people who like has paid for that crap forever. Um, I think, by the way, I don't think any address is as hard to change as the address for an ESPN the magazine subscription. I think. Really. I think. Uh, I I feel like I've been you know as an Insider subscriber they send you the the magazines yeah. for free, but I feel like it's been sent to like you know, my apartment that I had like five apartments ago in Cambridge, Massachusetts for like the last five years. So, um, it's unfortunate. I'll talk, right. I'll talk to my people, Frank. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's also, yeah, when, when say, do I, when do I, when do we get to be on the jump? That's my question. That, that would be the big, the big selling point here. But I, I mean, I would assume we're, we gotta be in the rotation, uh, summer months, they might be getting a little bit desperate, you know, call up Frank yeah. and Eric and, and get them on. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Um, also bringing you today's podcast is, Poster burner, posterburner.com slash bucks is where you can go to to get custom posters printed. And you can use, if you go to posterburner.com slash bucks, just go to that, that site, that version of the site, and you will have an additional 10% taken off of your order if you do that today. So very simple. All you got to do is type in the site posterburner.com slash bucks, and that'll get you an additional 10% off your order. I will tell you a little bit more about them uh, going forward, but for now, just know posterburner.com slash bucks, an additional 10% off your order. You make custom posters. They have graphic designers that put them all together for you and make them look pretty you can use your own pictures to create your own posters um well i'm going to talk a little bit more about my experience with that later because i think i have a good idea but i don't really know and uh, i'm a little bit nervous so we'll explain all of that later um today frank we have a couple of things that but strangely enough both of us me while editing our mailbag podcast and you while listening to our mailbag podcast from all of last week um, stumbled upon the same problem 
uh, that we had with something I said, um, which is not ideal for me that I have a problem with something I said uh, listening back to it. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the Vegas over-under that has been placed on the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and then we will also talk about, I forgot, what was the third thing we're going to talk about, Frank? I'm, I'm supposed to be hosting the show. Oh, we're also going to talk about Minutes Crunch and kind of how that might work uh, for specifically Giannis Dedekumbo and Chris Middleton in Milwaukee under coach Mike Budenholzer. So we'll do all of that today. And Frank, I want to get started with the Vegas line for the Bucks because it confuses the hell out of me. Uh, I, I just do not understand it. Uh, Westgate, Las Vegas, always one of the first places to come out with lines. Um, Last year they had the Bucks at forty-seven and a half wins. This year they have the Bucks number four over unders at forty-six and a half. And the Bucks won forty-four games last year, so that would be uh, to get to the over. It would be a three-game improvement, which you know is not insignificant. Uh, I- I'm not trying to say that uh, adding three wins isn't something that you'd expect, but I mean. Both of us, I I don't know if you're on the record. I know I'm on the record. I think the Bucks are winning 50-plus games this year. And I don't know if you feel quite as confidently, but I do think you also believe that they're going to be well over that 46-and-a-half number. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm I'm quite as hardcore on the hashtag Team 50 wins train as, as you are. Um, but I would also take the over, I think, for sure. And, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's it's been a little while since I felt like, taking a bucks over last year i think it what it's the line started at 47 and a half and yeah. um i i was a you know soft under i was i think you know i always said 45 46 wins was kind of my my window last year and, and obviously you know pretty close to that um so yeah I, I think it does feel a little light um but i don't know by the same token i i feel like a lot of the it felt like there were more it felt like there were more, um, I, like when looking at all the different over-unders, it felt like there were more that I wanted to take overs on than I wanted to take unders on. And, um, you know, I think when you look at like where the Bucks kind of shake out, like were the, were the Pacers above the Bucks? Was it, were the Bucks fifth? Yep. Is that what the, what the implied uh, seating was if you look at the over-unders? Is that right? It was like 47 and a half for the Pacers, I want to say. Yep. Yeah, so... You know, I mean, again, like not shocking. The Pacers were better than the Bucks last year, um, and you know, again, like last year is always going to be a you know <laughs> the thing that's most on people's minds as they set the over under. Um, and I don't know. I mean, there were other there were other ones that that also seemed a little bit light. And I thought it was interesting that the the Rockets, who I would agree, I mean, the, I don't think the Rockets had a plus off season, but you know, interesting to see the Rockets at fifty four and a half after being a sixty five win team a year ago. Um, although I think part of that is also just sort of mean regression that, that naturally happens. I mean, it's, it is really hard to win 60 plus games two years in a row. Sure. And, um, you know, there's some other reasons why you might expect the Rockets to drop off. Um, I, I don't know. I think the, I think the most interesting thing, I think if you were going to draw parallel or sorry, not draw parallel so much as contrast. Um, by the way, I think I just gave a very Canadian sorry there. I think it sounded like I said sorry. Um, <laughs> it, yes, it was, and it made me think of Wheels Up Ontario. Wheels Up Ontario. Uh, Wheels Ontario, sorry. yeah. Sorry. Shout, out, shout, out, shout out to Carl's... Pardon. Sorry. <laughs> um, and 
three people will understand that reference. <laughs> Shout out to everybody who's still with us. Um, Can I say while we're yeah. here, Frank, that I love the fact that our this podcast has slowly morphed into just in jokes every thirty to thirty seconds to a minute. Like our open is like three in jokes built on top of each other. Yeah, it, actively trying to make sure that any new <laughs> listeners have no idea what's going on. Um, We're gonna have to do like a, think- like a lockdown bucks explained like yeah. uh, like posts yeah. so people understand what's going on on lockdown bucks and why we do the strange things that we do. Locked on lockdown bucks in jokes. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I was gonna say I think I was gonna say if I was gonna contrast that with a team sort of in the Bucks range that I might take the under on, um, I think maybe Philly. Philly being at fifty four and a half. Yes. Um, and again, I mean they were at fifty two wins last year, and obviously they're a young team, and you know Ben Simmons should be a better basketball player this year. And I mean who knows, right? Like maybe a healthy Joel Embiid and you know a evolving Ben Simmons and you know whatever grab bag can't be worse than last year Markel Fultz um combined with a lot of I mean maybe that adds up to high 50s right who knows um but I think the flip side is that you know I mean winning mid 50s is is hard that's a really hard thing to do and um you know as we said a a lot of things interestingly even with them beat out everything kind of went the Sixers way late last season and um, obviously, you know, we, the Bucks have stolen the crown jewel of the Sixers late season run in Ursan Sova. So, um, we have to hope as Bucks fans that some of that mojo <laughs> rubs. Sorry, I can't complete that thought without laughing at least a little bit. But it's actually space. real. Like, that, uh, like that actually happened. Like when yeah. they went on their big run, they had just signed Ilyasova and Bellinelli and then right. went on to kill people from three, spread out the floor, do all of this cool stuff. And like the defense was still very good and it was for them uh, for much of the season. But it's like, those two guys, and obviously we end up making jokes and saying sarcastic things about Ursan and what he can bring, but like those two guys legitimately changed their season. And I understand how crazy that is to say about Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova, but it did happen. And you, you think about the big run that they went on to get to those 52 wins. Like they were insane in the second half of the, or I should say post all-star break. Like they just went off and just ran away from, you know, like the rest of that pack. And I just think, man, like you look at those over-unders, you mentioned Houston, Houston's at 54 and a half. Philly's at 54 and a half. Like that, that, just saying that feels wrong, doesn't it? It feels weird to, to say that Philly is going to win as many games as the Rockets after what we saw a year ago. Um, and, you know, and I think back a little bit, like as Bucks fans, you think back a little bit to the fear of the deer run in 2010 when they go 22 and 8 to finish the season and win 46 games and, you know, a lot of expectation that, oh, there's going to be this natural progression. Now, that team did not have a Joel Embiid. It did not have a Ben Simmons, right? So there's a huge kind of caveat there. But, you know, you always worry a little bit about, well, you know, you have these really hot finishes to season. How how real are those, right? And, you know, again, I, I remember when it was a discussion around the um, around the, the Miami Heat, right? Remember, you guys probably recall, like, the Heat had that crazy bad start and that crazy hot finish uh, a couple years ago. I think they finished at 41 and 41 and I think I want to say they went like mirror image records like they were like is it possible they were like 11 and 30 in the first half and 30 and 11 in the second half or something to that effect 
And so the, I remember hearing something was like, oh, well, the Heat come back and are that team. Or, or, but other people who are smarter than me kind of pointed out, it's like, look, if you were 11-30 in one half of the season and you're 30-11 the second half of the season, you're not going to win 75% of your games the next <laughs> year, like barring some dramatic overhaul of personnel in a positive way. Like there was a reason probably why you were that bad and there were probably reasons why you were that good. But, you know, there's there's a lot going on there and it's not that, oh, you just are this phenomenal team that just had a cold streak. And look, that I mean, to, that obviously points to the Sixers in, in, a, in a positive way as well, right? Because it says even though they were hot that hey they were a 52 win team and that that's legitimately something that that you know hey you can build on that right i mean the, the bucks have had one 52 win season in my life as a fan so yeah um no disrespect to that but the sixers are an interesting team too i think just because you never know i mean there's i think questions about brett brown is he a good coach is he maybe a guy that that has topped out um i think there's a lot of interesting pieces to that whereas in milwaukee obviously as you kind of you know started the, the, this conversation with um, I'm sure that's a really key piece of anyone who is obviously taking an over bet on the Bucks. Uh, it's that this is a team that you know not only doesn't have you know not only has what I think you would say is now a good coach, um, but more impressed more importantly doesn't have the dysfunction of the coaching staff a year ago when obviously they had a very bad coach and then they ended up firing him, but you know just basically tapping the next guy on the shoulder on the bench and, and obviously that's that's a tough spot for for anyone um but certainly not the kind of situation where you'd expect to to max out a team's potential uh you know kind of with those options on the bench so i just that's interesting and then i think i think as well i mean you look at the you know as much as i think i i get why people didn't feel great about the end of the jabari parker era um but you know especially if you're doing kind of a year over year thing like there's no way you look at what jabari did last year and would say, well, they're you know they they can't replace twenty eighteen Jabari Parker's minutes, right? I mean, you know, as much as we don't think Ursan's great, he should at least be as good or better. Certainly, you'd hope better than Jabari in terms of impact on winning. Doesn't necessarily mean what Jabari will be in three years or something like that, but certainly what we saw last year that was a compromised version of a player who had previously also had problems impacting games in a positive way so um you know between that and probably the bigger one and brooke lopez um you know yeah i i definitely think there's reason to think that this team can can take another step but you know only the bucks fan in me kind of kind of <laughs> feels nervous about that i just think through i think through last season and when i circle jabari parker whether no matter what you feel about jabari parker the fact that he misses what 50 games or so um you look at that you look at brogdon and delhi getting hurt at the exact same time enforcing brandon jennings xavier munford um trying to think who else they auditioned well, at backup think, point really, yeah like, i mean i think the really interesting thing was you had tons of minutes where it was like Giannis, jason terry sterling brown <laughs> yeah etc etc and you know, Giannis was would like nominally try to play make, and it'd be like Giannis, you know, thirty five feet from the hoop, looking for Jason Terry coming off a screen. It was just like this who conceived of this? Correct. Like, so, like, you know, the, it, it point Giannis didn't work, but it also probably didn't have any chance of working with the way they were using him. So, yeah, like it was just a, a an ugly scene having really one point guard on the roster at that point. And then you go, so you have that for what 
a 25 or so game stretch. You you don't have Jabari Parker for 50 or so games. Uh, you don't have Giannis for uh, how many did he end up missing by the end of the year? Eight, nine, I think. Um, so you don't have your best player for that. And again, this wasn't last year wasn't the worst possible way the season could have gone obviously you could have had a catastrophic injury to to Middleton or Giannis and then you would have really seen the team struggle but I don't think they overperformed last year I don't think 44 wins was overperforming and I think when you think about that team being a 44 win team last year I think that's got to be on if you simulated it 100 times on the bottom 25 of those simulations, like in the lower 25% of what could have happened in that season. When you look at their injury luck, uh, you look at everything that happened with the coaching staff. Uh, you look at firing a coach in season to bring on an interim that, you know, maybe isn't, uh, going to end up being a great NBA coach. Like you look at all of those things and you add them all up. And I think you find a team that underperformed. Uh, I don't think that, I don't think that team last year was a 44 win team. I thought that was a better team, than a 44 win team and they had a lot of things stacked against them and uh still managed to win 44 games and i think when you look at the talent and you look at Giannis's transcendence as a player i mean that roster to me and again i predicted at the start of the year like 48 wins that was the number i was saying before the season and that didn't feel like the upper level of what they could have done last year. That felt like just kind of what I, I saw from the talent on that team. So I just think basing, and again, I know you have to base it off on the previous year, um, but to add three wins, like I thought they should have had three more wins last year. Like that, that that to me doesn't seem crazy. And I know that when you are putting the line together, you're not thinking about, oh, what are Bucks fans going to think of this line? Because Bucks fans don't matter. Like you're looking for the the random, the the general better, the person that is trying to figure out whether or not to put money on this. And I know it could be hard to project for what a coaching change might make. And uh, you see Jabari Parker leave, and you think, oh, this team is in shambles, and uh, the organization is lost right now. And I just think. And again, I talked about this, I don't even know, a week ago at this point, two weeks ago, like the perception of the Bucks nationally, I feel like is going to be very different than the perception of the Bucks locally or for the Bucks fan that is in a different place. Like, I just think Bucks fans are going to be like, yeah, this is a 50 win team. Uh, they, that's how many they should win because they're not actively being hurt by Jason Kidd's poor defensive scheme anymore. Um, you're expecting an offense to spread the floor for Giannis and give him even more space and even more possibilities. Uh, you're going to have guys that actively aren't bad in the rotation. Like if you just look at the depth on this team, uh, I just think that Brooke Lopez adding that, that Brooke Lopez addition is huge because you're taking out what was a bad 25 minutes at center every night and adding someone that is, I think, a pretty clear contributor for 25 minutes a night. Obviously, Ursan helps out with that. And I just think you look across the board and you're not going to find a lot of weaknesses in this lineup. And like I said, I get for, for us, I feel like this feels 46 and a half feels insane that, and I ran the poll on Twitter. Like I think 86% of the people that voted in the poll 
poll where we're like, I would take the over. And again, that's all Bucks fans. Uh, I understand who is following me uh, and, and trying to figure out more about the Bucks. So I get that that's going to be Bucks fans, but uh, I just think for Bucks fans to see 46 and a half, like, that's just crazy. And again, I get it. You're trying to get some action on that line, but man, if if I was someone nationally and I was someone who was inclined to gamble, I mean, I think you got to pound that over. <laughs> like, I, to me, that going through all of those lines, that felt like to me one of the easier ones to bet on. And I don't know. It it just like I said, it's going to be interesting this year to see the difference in perception between Bucks fans and what people perceive of this team nationally. I think the biggest argument against that level of optimism is rooted in one thing that we haven't talked about yet, which is last year's Bucks team wins 44 games with a negative point differential. So yep. they had the expected win loss record of a 40 and 42 team last year. Uh, obviously, we've talked about in the past. You know, the you know we, we're not the history would suggest there's not a, r- a lot of reason to think that like year over year teams are going to just generally win a large percentage of close games. That stuff tends to even out. So, um, you know, the Bucks. One of the things we did talk about last year was obviously this team being actually pretty good in the clutch down the stretch of games, and that obviously was part of why they were able to win. You know, four more games than their. Uh, expected one loss based on point differential. So, so that that's I think a big counter argument that you know we should point out right that it's not just forty four wins plus three to to beat that over under. It's you know you could argue well they probably weren't actually as good as a forty four win team last year if you look at point differential being you know a better indicator of of overall quality. But obviously there are also there are also reasons why as you said <laughs> with the coaching staff and the injuries and things like that why. They should have been a lot better than than their point yeah. differential as well. So, um, so yeah, it should be should be fun, right? And again, I I'd, I'd much rather see the Bucks in the position of, you know, maybe a little underrated rather than overrated. Um, you know, I think another data point: Kevin Pelton does his RPM projections every year, um, basically building up uh, team expected win loss um, based on uh, RPM projections, and he's got the Bucks basically in the same spot. Uh, in the East as the the over-unders at five behind the Pacers. But uh, he has the Bucks at 45.2 wins, Pacers at 45.7, uh, Sixers at 47.8. Should note here, there's usually a fair bit of like mean regression in these, so the outlier teams are never quite as big of outliers in the RPM projections. So um, in each conference, so the Raptors are number one in the East at 55 wins, uh, Golden State, the top rank in the West at 59 wins. So, um, you know, again, there's there's maybe a little deflation kind of baked in there, but um, tells a similar story, at least from uh, an overall sort of comparison perspective, like relative to to the other teams uh, in the East. So I th- it, it will be – We I think we will talk about this again, Eric. <laughs> I, I would guess so. And I just think it's – the toughest thing, I think, t- for Bucks fans to – attempt to like think through is not everyone watched a full 82 games of Jason Kidd and his coaching staff. Like not everyone saw what that did to the bucks. And I think it's it may be difficult for other people to comprehend like, Oh yeah, you know, maybe Jason Kidd wasn't the best coach, but 
they weren't thinking about, oh, Jason Kidd was playing mind games with this guy. Jason Kidd once sat out Malcolm Brogdon for the first, uh, what was it, 20 minutes of the game? Like, Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> the, the most, um, uh, I don't know, the most presidential figure on the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the most uh, character, the, the highest character buck. Like, all of these things. And, you know, like, people on the outside don't really see that daily drama uh don't really see all of those things that i I just think from the outside you'd be like wait what happened the he they kept helping on threes and they were giving up a million why did they keep over helping like all of those things I, i just i don't know how people from the outside would be able to get it and again numbers aren't really gonna be able to reflect that like someone's rpm isn't going to be like, well, sure, they weren't great last year, but, you know, they could be way better if they were being used more properly. Like, there's not a good way for numbers to grasp that. Like, it, I, I, To me, that's the, always going to be the problem with the Bucks' projections for this, ex, uh, this upcoming year is it's hard to... I don't even think... You, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a study like this, and I don't even know if you could study it. Like, what is the... What is the typical amount of change that happens when a new coach comes in? And I would assume there's going to be an insane variance on that because there's also roster changes that occur on that. Like these two coaches aren't coaching the same rosters, new players come in. So I don't know. Like I just think it's, it's going to be fun and we're going to keep talking about it because until we actually see it in action, like all every side can do is kind of project and use the information that we have at hand. All right next topic all right uh the next topic was during our mailbag podcast uh we were talking a little bit about point guard minutes and i don't i can't remember the exact quote but at some point we were talking about oh what's gonna happen at point guard who's gonna play who's not gonna play and i mentioned something about delhi not being a bud guy and as i said it it felt right um then when I listened back to it while I was editing it, it didn't feel right. And then today you were like, what did you mean by this? And as I thought through it, I don't know what I meant by it. Other than, I don't know if Matthew Delvadova is very good at basketball. Um, like I think that was the big thing, which is weird because I'm someone who, you know, tends to advocate for Matthew Delvadova and the things that he does. Um, and when you think about Mike Boonholzer and what he's about, he's about, you know, being able to pass a little bit, being able to handle a little bit and being able to defend. And Delhi does those things. Uh, yeah. And shoot. Uh, he does all of those things. Uh, his, uh, uh, what era are we in with the gun that he shoots? Um, his civil war, uh, rifle. I don't, I don't really know, but, uh, he does have that slower release on his shot. So like, I think a lot of times, despite him continuing to be a, a pretty good shooter, uh, from three, we, well, he doesn't get him off it quick enough. Like that, that actively keeps him from shooting more. Uh, you know, he doesn't really beat anyone off the dribble, but he is kind of nifty at times and he knows how to use his body and, uh, you know, he'll he'll throw up a deli floop and you'll see it. maybe it's a floater, maybe it's an alley-oop, but also that 
means he kind of does pass a little bit. Is is floop a a regular saying? I don't think I've ever heard that term before, but I'm into it. Um, I think I still. Oh, who told me about it? Jeff Zilgit, I think, from the USA Today, told okay. me about it. Yeah. Uh, but it is it's perfect, right? Because when he does that, you don't know if it's an alley oop or a floater, uh, and neither do his teammates. Um, but at some point, you find out. Um, so yeah, that's Delhi Floop. Uh, if anyone wants to use that, go for it. Um. But when you think about him, he does all those things. And obviously, defensively, he's a real tryhard, and he's always going to give a ton of effort on that end. So you're looking through all of those things, and there's a little bit of passing in there, there's a little bit of handling, there's a little bit of shooting, there's a little bit of defending. So he should be a bud guy, and I guess, as I think through it, maybe I was just trying to find a way to take Delhi off the court more because I think Eric Bledsoe and Malcolm Brogdon are both better than him. But, you know, maybe technically he should be a bud guy. There's definitely a, a lot in Delhi that would, yeah, it, it does seem to kind of fit that, you know, lower risk, predictable, does, you know, skill-based things well, does effort-based things well. Um but yeah, I think the big question, the big question for me is just, you know, it's just at some point it becomes a numbers game, right? As far as yeah. minutes and, and where these guys play. And, you know, with Kid, I just think we, we just assumed that he would shoehorn Delhi into, you know, two point guard lineups if needed, that somehow Delhi would always play. And I think that's really our, our big question. Um, you know, does, does Budenholzer view Matthew Brock or Malcolm Brogdon as a point guard, right? Yeah. If the answer is yes, then that could have a very big impact on 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 Matthew Delvadova's minutes. Um, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, if if uh, Budenholzer decides to start Brogdon at shooting guard, that's probably great news for Delvadova, right? Because then that means I think a clearer path to to playing point guard minutes as the backup. But and, and apologies, my allergies are acting up like crazy right now, but. Um, but yeah, it's it's I think it's an interesting question to kind of ask, and, and he's definitely one of those guys who I think the range of outcomes is is fairly broad. Even even if Mike Boonholzer does like a lot of the things that he stands for and, and kind of some things that he does, but you know the bottom line is the Bucks have been bad when Delvadova has been on the court the past couple of years. Um, you know the winning player type stuff that we saw in Cleveland that everybody liked there hasn't translated. We haven't yeah. seen it, and he obviously has not been playing for a team that has had good coaching but again um you know that doesn't necessarily mean that mike boonholzer can work miracles or turn delvadova into you know this really positive impacting player but then again you know as you said um some of the things he does does seem to mesh with what mike boonholzer might like um and i think you know again i think there's a role for for matthew delvadova on a team that has playmakers at the you know non-point guard positions um but you know, I'm still a little bit more in the kind of prove it to me type mindset because, yeah, the Bucks haven't consistently been good with Delhi on the floor. We saw flashes of really nice stuff, especially in the playoffs and the home games. Um, but yeah, I think he's got to prove it. Like a lot of guys, you know, he's got to prove it in this first training camp with with Mike Budenholzer. And uh, I'm just very curious to see kind of how how all that plays out. And uh, obviously, we've talked about him being difficult to move from a contract standpoint. So. Um, you wouldn't necessarily see expect to see him traded, even if the Bucks would 
happily rid themselves of his contract if they could. So um, I think the obvious question is what can they do to kind of make the most of them? Yeah, I think the the tough part with Delhi is always, to me, going to be he's a point guard that when he comes off a of pick and roll, no one's going to cover him. And that's a problem. Like it, We see it again and again. Like As a point guard, you should always, I, I think just be ecstatic that Giannis is your role man, right? Like who who could be better than Giannis? He's so athletic. He can do all these things and the, he's going to get a ton of attention, but also I have to be able to uh, take advantage of all that attention that he's going to get. And we just haven't seen that consistently from Delhi. There, there's been some times where he's been able to throw up that floater and, and you know, that's kind of okay, but every team's going to live with that. Like, unless he's hitting that at a 50% rate, which he hasn't been, that's a winning possession because Giannis as a role man actually getting a touch uh, in you forcing the ball out of Delhi's hands, that's going to be two points because Giannis is really good at the rim and he's really good uh, scoring if you give him the slightest bit of an advantage. So uh, until Delhi can really kind of take advantage in those situations, I think you'll see him struggle to find his way and and again maybe maybe that isn't his role maybe he shouldn't ever have the ball in a pick and roll situation and you just put him on the backside and uh you make sure that he's a spot up guy and he gets to shoot a lot and that ends up being the way that it goes but you know it's tougher to do that when that guy's just your point guard and we don't know how much time he'll get with Giannis, uh, with staggering, and kind of how all that works. So, um, yeah, I think when you're looking at Matthew Dellavedova, there is still some questions there where you have to see what he can do and and what he'll and de- develops a weird thing to say, but he does still have, to me, at least a little bit of developing to do, like where he can consistently take advantage of that, or, or maybe it's just figuring out a way to take advantage of it. Whatever it may be, he's going to have to find a way to be slightly more effective in those situations. I'm, I'm just looking forward to not seeing Matthew Delvadova in late game situations, specifically not handling the ball and initiating offense in late game situations. That was I think one of the things that we got particularly sick of uh, watching Delhi the last couple of years, and obviously we saw a lot less of that last year after the Bledsoe trade, but um, you know, and probably not surprising the Bucks got a lot better late in games once they stopped putting the ball in Delvadova's hands. But um, again, I, I know a lot of people had, uh, let's just say, some some you know. Uh, not great experiences watching that, especially in his first year in Milwaukee. Yeah, we we might not end up seeing quite as much of that, and I think that is a positive thing. Where you might want to see something more of is yourself, your family, your loved ones, uh, all the great photos that you are ending up taking, you can put them on your wall with the help of a posterburner.com. And at posterburner, you uh, it's very simple. You you go to the site, you figure out exactly what it is that you're looking for. Uh, you can do posters, you can do canvas prints, you can do uh, metal prints, you can do decals, you can do stickers, you can do banners. Uh, you can do all of these different things and you can use your own photos. So so if you're on a vacation over the summer and you have a perfect picture that you want to use, you can put that up on your wall and you can find an, an affordable poster, uh, 24 by 36 movie size poster for under $20 and all that is printed on super thick premium photo paper. So you're getting high quality stuff that you can throw on your wall. I'm trying to figure out exactly what I want to do with it. Uh, I see it. 
so I now you have a daughter, but I have a niece and a nephew, and I've been looking for a good photo of my nephew playing baseball because I want to give him a baseball player poster of him as the baseball player because I think that would be really cool. But also, I don't know, would that kind of freak him out? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out exactly what he may like or if, you know, he just gets, I don't know, a goofy photo of Uncle Eric. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, But I have all those options and I can check out what it would look like on PosterBurner.com. If you go to PosterBurner.com slash bucks, Today, you'll get an additional 10% off your order. Again, that's posterburner.com slash bucks. It's that easy. Type in that website. uh, Just throw that up in the URL. Hit enter. You go there, and it will tell you immediately that that discount will apply to all of your order for the day. So whatever type of print that you may want, you will get that at posterburner.com slash bucks, which will get you an additional 10% off your order. All right, Frank. I... I really, I really thought you were gonna, you were gonna go for the uh, like uh, two by three foot blown up high res Getty image of uh, Johnny O'Brien not getting a defensive <laughs> rebound. I Frank, I can't tell you how upset I was. I don't know if you saw the game uh, that was going on last week, but there was a game of describe your favorite player from whatever team in five words, and I used. McDonald's All-American baseline jumpers, and it took a disturbingly long time for people to figure out I was talking about Johnny O'Brien. I was really upset by it because it was favorite Bucks player, and it's like, is there anyone else I'm more known for for caping for than Johnny O'Brien? And uh, I mean, a lot of people were thrown off that he was McDonald's All-American, which hurt my feelings because I feel like we mentioned that a lot of times that somehow Johnny O'Brien was a McDonald's All-American in high school. I I think it's probably people giving you actually more credit than you deserve and forgetting (laughs) that you ever caped for Johnny O'Brien. I think I feel like that I I actually didn't even remember that. So, um, you know, you could have you could have just let that be, you know, the like one of these un- uh, unknown things that people had forgotten about you and said you brought it up. So, I mean... Oh, no, hey. I'm prideful. I'm, I'm prideful. All right. All right. J-O-B, J-O-B but, for life, man. That's my guy. I don't know, man. Those, are, those you might want to go back and delete those tweets. They could come back to haunt you. <laughs> we will see. Last thing we wanted to talk about today, one of the things we were asked about in the mailbag was uh, projections for the Bucks' best players and, you know, what could happen next year. And I mentioned the possibility of Giannis averaging 30 a game. Um, we talked about, uh, you know, maybe adding, what, you had said like two assists to Giannis per game, maybe like closer to seven instead of five. Um we talked about Brooke Lopez a little bit, Chris Middleton uh, potentially averaging 20 points per game. Like We talked through all this stuff, and one of the things we didn't mention is, I mean, kind of the insane minutes load that both of those guys have put up over the entirety of Jason Kidd's tenure. Um, and even Joe Prunty did bring those minutes down a little bit. Um, but still, Middleton and Giannis were playing a lot there. And it was something you had brought up that, you know, we haven't really talked about that and the effect that it might have on those guys this season, but I would have to assume it's 
going to be incredibly real uh, because there's just not a lot of coaches that play their top guys quite that much. And I'm on the record for saying I don't mind if you have a top 10 guy and you play him, I don't know, top 10, top 15 in minutes. Like, I'm fine with that. Uh, Tim Duncan played all the time. And he played a lot. Uh, so like, even the Spurs, who are a team that are you know viewed as very progressive when it comes to these type of things, he played a lot. And I'm generally okay with it. If you have a very good player, LeBron James plays a lot. If you have a good player, you should play him a lot. So I'm cool with it with Giannis. But I don't know. How low do you think those those numbers go this year? So we looked at history a little bit. You know, We tried to see. We mentioned this about the point cards. We were talking about Eric Bledsoe that – um, he had not played either Dennis Schroeder or uh, Jeff Teague a ton of minutes, um, never more than really like 31 minutes or so the last few years when, when those guys were his starters at point guard. There is obviously no analog for Giannis. Um, the closest would be Paul Millsap in his age 31 season. He averaged 34 minutes per game, but that's the most really of anybody the last few years that has played for Boonholzer in terms of minute per game load. So I, if I had to guess like on number for Giannis – I'd probably guess maybe 35, which would be you know, a couple minutes under where he was a year ago. Yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, I mean, like in terms of you know, counting stats, that has an impact. Um, I think the other flip side of this is you know, one of the reasons why the Bucks played him a ton of minutes was because they didn't win lots of games easily. Um, so they kind of needed Giannis a lot more than you might be expected to need him. And you know, as we talked about as well, you know, look at their their power forward situation last year. Um, obviously, they were much better with Giannis on the court than off, and part of that was because Jawari Parker was out most of the year. Mirza Toledovic was out for almost the entire year. Um, you had very little depth at the power forward spot. Your first-round pick was basically a zero in terms of playing at his normal position. So um, so they also had issues, I think, because of that last year with Giannis's minutes, just not feeling like they had anybody else that they could even reliably play at power forward. And Part of that discussion was also Chris Middleton, who did play 23% of his minutes at the four, but the Bucks were really bad with him playing the four. They were minus seven points per 100 with him at the four. And so, um, you know, I think that'll be uh, interesting to watch. Just, you know, it's not just about just getting Giannis fewer minutes, but it's also about, I mean, can you comfortably win games with, with yeah. you know, in the first three quarters and just sit them out more, more fourth quarters? That's part of it. And also just, you know, can you rely on um, your bench to kind of, give you some decent minutes with him off the court and so hopefully hopefully we see more of those things um but as you said i mean you know Giannis isn't the kind of guy you'd look at and say oh yeah let's try to keep his minutes at like 32 minutes per game right i mean you know you're you're not like the warriors you can't just expect to blow teams off the court uh you're going to need to play your best player so yeah maybe 35 minutes per game maybe chris somewhere in in that similar ballpark uh, especially given that even with ursan this year uh they have at least some depth at the power forward spot but um, again, I don't think you want to be, be going, getting too cute with Giannis and resting him too much either. Yeah. And as I said, what a Millsap at 34, that's the most we've kind of seen from a Budenholzer, uh, led team. I think that was the minutes leader for them. And that would have been, uh, two years ago at this point, um, and Millsap's final year in Atlanta, I believe. And I guess just when you, you look at this, those Atlanta teams were on the older side. 
um, obviously Dennis Schroeder was a guy that was on the younger side and uh, he was limited as well, but uh, we haven't really seen uh, or we haven't had a chance to see Mike Boonholzer really get guys kind of in their prime or young prime years, but I don't imagine it. it's really going to change. Uh, I don't imagine it's going to be like, well, these are young guys. Let's throw them out there. You know, they're, they're going to be fine. They'll bounce back. Oh, we can play them 40 minutes on back-to-back nights. That's uh, That just doesn't seem like something we'll see from Mike Boonholzer. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how far it goes. But I, I would agree. 35 feels right for Giannis. I, I think, uh, again, you don't want to get too cute. You want to play your best guys as much as possible um, in someone that is superhuman-ish, as, as Giannis is, I think is the, is that's a fine place to play him. I think Middleton is one where I'm going to be really interested to see because, I mean, Chris was one of the minutes leaders in the league last year. He played all 82. He averaged 36.4 minutes per game. And as I said many times at the end of last year, Chris Middleton is not a superhuman. Um, he that, that just isn't kind of who he is. And there were obviously a lot of times last year where you saw Middleton's, I think you saw Middleton's effort wane at times where you're like, well, he didn't really seem to give it his all on that defensive possession, or there was a blow by where in the past, maybe you weren't seeing that same thing. And I do wonder if that heavy minutes toll kind of, or that heavy, that heavy minutes toll kind of took a toll on him as the season went on. So I think 35 for Giannis sounds right. I do wonder, does Middleton bump down to like 33 somewhere in there instead of 36? Cause he had 36.4 this last year. Uh, then two years ago, uh, before his torn hamstring season, 36.1 for Middleton. So kid really, uh, did ride those two guys and get them out there a whole lot. And, uh, I think we will see that bump back down how far though, uh, will obviously be the question, but, uh, yeah, all of those counting stats definitely affected by, by guys playing a little bit less. And yeah, I, again, I want, one thing I do wonder though, is, you know, if you are not playing quite as much, can you be, uh, what what are the minutes that are being eliminated? Are they two minutes a game where you just don't have your legs and you know you're not able to really impact the game, or is it two minutes where you are just as effective as always? I like, I think that that kind of balancing act is something that we didn't really get to see last year um, or really during kids' tenure with Middleton and Adetokounmpo because both those guys were on the floor so much that you know they were just trying to give whatever they could and you know maybe there's 2 minutes a game where you can just remove it and it won't affect their effectiveness all that much because you know maybe they're out there with tired legs it was at the end of a 18 consecutive minutes streak or something like that i think that'll be the other thing too that i i can't imagine you'll see as long of um i don't even know what to call it like a, as long of a consecutive time playing uh, cuz kid really had a lot of those where it'd be like all right chris and Giannis, you got the, the final 20 minutes of the game and it's like what the don't don't do that that that's not how you want to rest these guys so uh there's gonna be, how about how about the how about the here's 18 straight minutes of jason terry stretches how about those i i can't imagine one i'm I'm not sure jason terry will be on the team but whoever the jason terry equivalent is on this team i can't imagine he gets the final 18 minutes of a game either so i just think and look at that another point for 
people not quite understanding exactly what it meant to be coached by Jason Kidd. Another one where I just can't imagine that'll happen under Mike Budenholzer this upcoming year. Yeah, I I lead to say it's uh, you know it's it, I, I I'm just so excited to see what this team looks like under just normal competent coaching and um, you know I think even you know the, the, I think there was an argument for that you know just obviously getting rid of kind of the old regime um, but even if they didn't replace it with it replace with a good coach especially defensively right I mean I think just think like this team just seemed to they needed a new they needed a new voice mm-hmm. right yep. defensively just I don't know, offensively too probably um, you know even even good coaches can get stale and when you talk about then bad coaches getting stale, that's kind of the worst of, of both worlds. Absolutely. I would agree. Um, we'll kind of watch where it all goes. All right. Uh, we will be recording a couple more times this week. We are uh, all ready to go. There's, I don't know if I'm going to convince you to do it. I want to do it. So we'll see. I have an idea. Uh, I, I want to talk about something. It's. I think it'll probably annoy Frank, but I think we're going to do it at some point this week. That is a tease my friends that is hopefully going to bring you back uh for more uh that has been lockdown bucks for today uh just a reminder posterburner.com slash bucks again posterburner.com slash bucks you go to that website you'll get an additional 10 percent off your order where you can make custom posters using your own photos at posterburner.com slash bucks for frank man this has been eric name this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to you tomorrow